Chapter Four of After the Divorce by Grazia de Leda, translated by Maria Horner Lansdale. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Denham. On the evening of the following day, a Saturday, Brontu de Jas, returning from the sheepfolds, was hardly off his horse before he began to grumble. Among themselves, the de Jasses were notorious grumblers, though with outsiders they were always extremely suave. Apart from this trait, he was a good-natured devil, young and handsome, very dark and thin, of medium height, with a short, curling red beard. He had beautiful teeth, and when talking to women, smiled continually in order to show them. Coming home on this particular evening, he began to grumble because he found neither light nor supper awaiting him. It must be admitted that there was some justification, for, after all, he was a working man, and week after week he would return from six days of toil to find a house as dark and squalid as a beggar's hovel. "'Eh, eh!' he said, as he began to unharness his horse. "'This might as well be Isidoro Pane Shanti. "'Let us have some light, at any rate, so we can see to swear. "'What is there for supper?' "'Bacon and eggs. There now, be patient,' said Aunt Martina. "'Did you know that Constantino Leda had been sentenced to thirty years?' Twenty-seven. "'Well, are those the eggs?' "'My dear Mamma, that bacon is rancid. "'Why don't you give it to the chickens? "'The chickens, do you hear?' "'And he snapped his handsome teeth angrily. "'They won't eat it,' answered Aunt Martina tranquilly. "'Yes, twenty-seven. "'Ah, twenty-seven years, that is a long time. "'I dreamed he had got penal servitude. "'Have you been to see the women yet?' "'How pleased they must be now with their fine marriage! "'Miserable beggars!' "'He had asked the question with evident curiosity, "'yet the moment his mother told him that she had been, "'and that Giovanna was tearing her hair and quite beside herself, "'while it was plain to see that Aunt Bacchicia wished now "'that she had strangled her daughter "'before allowing her to make such a match, "'he turned on her furiously.' "'What business had you to go near the den of those wretched beggars?' "'Ah, my son, Christian charity! "'You don't seem to have any idea of what that is!' "'Aunt Martina liked, indeed, to pretend that she was a charitable person. "'Priest Elias was there, too, this morning. "'Yes, he went to comfort them. Giovanna wants to take the baby to Nuoro for Constantino to see before they carry him off. I told her she was crazy to think of such a thing in this heat, but Priest Elias told her to go, and he nearly cried. What does he know about children? He is barren like all the rest of them, snarled Brontu, who hated the priests because his uncle— who had been rector in the village before priest Elias Portolou came from Nuoro, had left all his property to a hospital. 
Aunt Martina had not forgiven this outrage either, but the old she-wolf knew how to disguise her feelings, and when Brontu railed against the priests, she always made the sign of the cross. "'What makes you talk that way, you fool?' said she, hastily crossing herself. "'You don't know where your feet may carry you. Priest Elias is a saint. If he were to hear such evil talk as that, beware!' He has the holy books, and if he chooses to, he can curse our fields, and bring the locusts, and make the bees die. A fine saint! exclaimed Brontu. Then he insisted upon hearing all the particulars about the eras, how Giovanna had cried out, what that old kite Aunt Bacchicia had said. Well, Giovanna's sobs were enough to melt the very stones and Aunt Bacchicia was in despair, because now, in addition to all the rest, the lawyer's fees and other expenses of the trial have stripped them of everything they possessed, even to the house. The young man listened intently, his face beaming with satisfaction, and his white teeth gleaming. In his undisguised pleasure he was simply and purely savage. "'Listen,' said Aunt Martina, when she had finished, "'Jacobi de Jas will be here presently to see you too. "'He wanted to begin his term of service to-morrow, "'but I told him to wait till Monday. "'Tomorrow is a holiday, "'and there is no sense in our having him eat at our expense.' "'Beautiful St. Constantino, you are close, Mamma. "'Oh, you, you're just like a child. "'What use is there in wasting things?' Life is long, and it takes a great deal to live. "'And how are those two women going to live?' asked Brontu, after a short silence, seating himself before the eggs and bread. "'They will catch snails, I suppose,' said Aunt Martina, scornfully. She had taken up her spindle again, and was spinning close to the open door. "'You take a great interest in them, Brontu de Silence. Within the room the only sounds were the rattle of the spindle and the noise of Brontu's strong teeth as he munched the hunks of hard bread. Outside, though, beyond the portico, the crickets were chirping incessantly, and from the far-away deserted woods through the warm, dim atmosphere of the falling night came the melancholy cry of an owl. Brontu poured out some wine, raised the glass and opened his mouth, but not to drink. There was something he wanted to say to his mother, but the words would not come. He drank the wine, brushed some drops off his beard with the back of his hand, and again opened his mouth, but still the words died away. A sound of heavy boots was heard, tramping across the open space before the house. Aunt Martina, still spinning, arose, told her son that Jacobi de Jas was coming, and taking the food and wine put them away in the cupboard. Jacobi saw the action as he entered, and at once understood that she was hiding something in order not to have to offer it to him. But, as he himself would have put it, 
he was too much a man of the world to allow any expression of resentment to escape him. He advanced, therefore, smiling and cheerful. "'I will wager,' said he, laying one finger on his nose, "'that you were talking about me.' "'No, we were speaking of poor Constantine Oleda.' "'Ah, yes, poor fellow,' returned Jacobi, becoming serious at once. "'And when you think that he is innocent, as innocent as the sun, no one can be more sure of it than I.' Brontu threw himself back in an easy attitude, crossed his legs, and turning slightly around, showed his teeth as he did when talking to women. "'As to that,' "'Opinions may differ,' he said sharply. "'There, for instance, is my mother. "'She dreamed that he had got the death sentence.' "'Oh, no, Brontu, what are you talking about? "'Penal servitude?' "'Well, it amounts to the same thing. "'Now, we will talk business.' "'Very well, let us talk business by all means,' "'assented Jacobi, crossing his legs as well.' A little later the two men, having settled the matter in hand, went off together, Brontu leading the way to the tavern. He himself was not in the least close, and if he never offered a visitor a glass in his own house, it was only not to irritate Aunt Martina. At the tavern, though, he was superb, and on this particular evening he made Jacobi drink so much, and drank so much himself, that they both became tipsy. Coming out at last into the silent, deserted street, filled with the odour of the dry fields, they began talking again of Constantino, and Brontu said, with brutal frankness, that he was glad of the sentence. "'Go to the devil!' shouted Jacobi. "'You have no heart!' "'All right, that's it. I have no heart.' "'Just because Giovanna wouldn't have you, you are glad to hear of the death, or worse than death, of a brother?' "'He's not dead, and he's not a brother, and it was I who would not have Giovanna Era. If I had wanted her to, she would have licked the soles of my shoes.' "'Bum, bum, look out, or you'll have a tumble, my little spring-bird. You lie like a servant-maid.' "'I am not a servant-maid,' stammered Brontu, furious. "'If you say anything like that again, I'll take you by the crown of your head and choke you.' "'Bum, I tell you, you'll fall down, little spring-bird,' repeated Jacobi, at the top of his lungs. Their voices rang out through the quiet street. Then they suddenly ceased talking, and stillness reigned once more. In the distance, under the light of the stars which overhung the mountain crests like garlands of golden flowers, the owl still sounded his melancholy note. All at once Brontu began to cry, in a strange, drunken fashion, with neither sobs nor tears. "'Well, what is the matter now?' demanded Jacobi, in a low tone. "'Are you drunk?' "'Yes, I am, drunk with poison, you gully refuse. 
I only hope you will be strangled yet. At this, the other felt very indignant. Not only had he never been to prison, but he had never so much as been accused of any offence against the law. Yet mingled with his resentment there was a vague feeling of terror. "'You are going crazy,' said he in a still lower tone. "'What's the matter with you? Why should you talk to me like that? Have I ever done anything to you?' Whereupon the other became confidential, and groaning as though he were in physical pain, he declared that he was, in truth, madly in love with Giovanna, and that he had hoped and prayed the devil from the beginning that Constantino would be found guilty. "'Even if the, the devil were to get my soul, it wouldn't matter, because, you see, I don't believe in him.' said he, breaking into a foolish, cackling laugh, more disagreeable to listen to even than his previous maudlin distress. "'I intend to marry Giovanna,' he presently added. Jacobi was greatly astonished at this, but he pretended to be still more so. "'What?' said he. "'You take my breath away!' how why what on earth do you mean how can you marry her she will get a divorce that's all well what of that there's a law that gives a woman the right to marry again if her husband has been sent to prison for a long sentence jacobi had heard some talk of this but no case of legal divorce still less of remarriage had as yet been heard of in orly Nevertheless, not to appear ignorant, he said, "'Oh, yes, I know, but it is a mortal sin. Giovanna Era will never do it.' "'That's just what I am worrying about, Jacobi de Jas. Will you talk to her on the subject to-morrow?' "'Oh, yes, of course, to-morrow. You're an ass, Brontu de Jas. You may be rich, but you are a stupid as a lizard, stupider than one. Here, when you might marry a maid, some rich young girl as fresh as a rose with the dew still upon it, you want instead to have that woman? Upon my word, it will give me something to laugh at for the next seven months. All right, you can laugh till you split in two like a ripe pomegranate, but I'm going to marry her said Brontu angrily. "'There's no other woman like her, and I shall marry her. You will see.' "'Well, do marry her, my little spring-bird,' cried the other, bursting into a loud laugh. Brontu joined in, and they continued on their way uproariously till they saw a tall figure with a staff silently approaching them. "'Uncle Isidoro Pane, did you have good sport?' shouted Jacobi. "'And your legs, have they plenty of punctures?' "'You had better turn leech-fisher yourself,' said the other, coming up to them. "'Phew! What a smell of brandy! Someone must have broken a cask near here.' "'Do you mean that you think we are drunk?' demanded Brontu in a bullying tone, 
the only reason you don't get drunk yourself is because you haven't anything to do it with get away get away i tell you or i'll crush you like a frog the old man laughed softly and walked on idiot said jacobi in an undertone don't you know he could have helped you with giovanna he's a friend of hers here here shouted brontu turning around and gesticulating with both arms come back come back i tell you sidore pane keti mosiki il cane may the dog bite you he laughed delighted with his rhyme but isidoro did not stop do you hear me yelled the tipsy brontu stammering somewhat i tell you to come here ah huh? you won't do it you little toad i tell you but isidoro silently pursued his way don't talk to him like that what sort of way is this to carry on remonstrated jacobi brontu thereupon adopted a new method little flower come here come here come listen to what i have to say you may tell her that friend of yours well yes giovanna that is who i mean you may tell her that if she gets a divorce i'll marry her this had the desired effect the old man stopped short and turning around called in a distinct voice jacobi de jas what is it my dear answered the herdsman mockingly make him keep quiet returned isidoro in the tone of a person who means to be obeyed for some unexplained reason jacobi felt a sudden sense of chill as he heard the tone and those four emphatic words taking his new master by the arm he drew him quickly away murmuring you are a dunce you behave as though you had no sense at all what a way to talk didn't you tell me to yourself i you're dreaming am i crazy they continued on their way staggering along together arm in arm on the portico they found aunt martina still spinning she saw at once that her son was tipsy but said nothing knowing by experience that to irritate him when he was in that condition was only to arouse him to a state of fury when he asked for wine though she said there was none ah there is none no wine in the dejas house the richest people in the neighbourhood what a miserly mother you are then he began to bluster i am not going to make a scandal but i can tell you i am going to marry giovanna era yes yes you are going to marry her said aunt martina to quiet him but in the meantime go to bed and don't make such a noise if she hears you she won't have you he quieted down but made jacobi unroll a couple of rush mats and spread them on the floor then throwing himself down 
nothing would do but the herdsman must lie down as well and sleep beside him and rather than have any trouble aunt martina was obliged to agree thus it fell out that instead of beginning his term of service on the monday jacobi entered his new place on saturday evening End of chapter 4 Recording by Tom Denham